begin. Uh, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Uh, everyone can rest assured Lucy is is back. She's feeling better. Uh, is that is that fair to say? Lucy? Definitely fair. Okay, good. Uh, we're very excited to be sitting down with uh, Bill and Gail today. We're going to be talking about the the Marsden Hartley Legacy Project and the Memorial Collection at the at the museum, which is a really cool thing that we have. Um, so yeah, why don't you guys introduce yourselves first, real quick? I'm Gail Scott. I am an art historian. I've been working at Hartley for a long time, and other things as well along my path. Uh, so I'm very excited to be doing my first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am Bill Lowe. I'm uh, I'm the curator of the at the Base Museum and am coordinator of the Marsden Hartley Legacy Project. So uh, helping. Gail with the with the legacy project. Yeah, and you've been working at the museum since. This is my thirty something year. Wow, at the yeah. museum. I so. thought it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. so longest tenured mm-hmm. uh, museum staff member. So pretty excited to be talking to to the both of you. Yeah, and I've been working with Bill on and off on other projects uh, for many years. So we're old friends. Nice. Yeah. yeah, and and just as an aside, uh, I had never heard of Mars and Hartley really. I mean, I'd heard of him, but I wasn't familiar with his work before coming to, to Bates and the, and the museum. So it's been a amazing experience to be introduced to his work, learn that he is from Lewiston and has such strong, strong connections here and then get to know his work and get to learn about Gail's work. And yeah, so it's been great. Yeah. I also knew nothing about Hartley. I hadn't even really heard the name before before I started working here. So it's been it's been great to be be learning about him. Why don't why don't we start there? So who who's Marsden Hartley? Give it in your your best shot at it. Yeah. Well Marsden Hartley uh, was born in Lewiston, Maine in eighteen seventy seven, um, to uh, English immigrant parents who were who had moved here to work in the mills primarily, at least to begin with. He was the youngest of eight children and is known for being a lonely child. Uh, his mother died when he was seven. Seven or eight. Uh, and that was uh, very difficult for him. His father moved away a couple years later, remarried, and moved to Cleveland. And Hartley uh, was left with his older sister in Auburn. And um, so he worked in a shoe mill in Lewiston and eventually moved to Cleveland uh, to reunite with his father and stepmother, and um, then eventually was recognized for his artistic talent and came back to New York um, to begin uh, working or learning there. Yes, and then on and off throughout his life, he traveled broadly everywhere. Uh, He was kind of an itinerant person. He never owned his own studio. He would go to a certain place like Santa Fe, New Mexico, and either stay with friends or he would find, you know, uh, boarding houses to stay in or hotel rooms in New York City when he was there. But finally, for a whole number of reasons, came back to the United States. Um, I mean, he would off and on be back in the United States, but he he came back to Maine. Mm -hmm. And the last seven or so years of his life, he mainly worked in Maine and died in Korea, Maine, the little fishing village down east um, in 1943. 
He's part of what is known as the group of uh, American modernist painters who were mostly discovered and promoted and exhibited by the famous art dealer Alfred Stieglitz. So his um, artist colleagues in that what they call stable of uh, Stiglitz's stable of artists, so they were horses, um, (laughs) uh, were uh, artists like George O'Keefe and John Maron, Arthur Dove, uh, Max Weber, and hardly, as both of you have said, a lot of people just do, they do not recognize the name of Marston Hartley as they would recognize the name of Georgia O'Keeffe. Okay. So he's not the household word that uh, some of those other artists are uh, these days, and that's kind of part of what our mission is, is to make his work as well-known as any other of the Stiglitz artists and uh, make it accessible to people. Right, so. yeah. Yeah, as you say, you know, he's not as recognized as some artists like Georgia O'Keeffe. Um, how would you, why, what, what makes his work and his life so important and interesting? And why is it that we should be paying more attention to Marsden Hartley and really bringing him to the forefront of this period of artists? Yeah, let me just, I'll, I'll say first, uh, following up on, on Gail's uh, explanation of, of the Stieglitz group, um, one of the things that, that, made it so that Hartley was was less popular, as it were, aside from the fact that he was an itinerant person and moving frequently uh, in Europe and Central America and the West, Nova Scotia. Um, he was constantly experimenting. He, was, he did not have a sort of a signature style like some of the others, Arthur Dove or O'Keefe or Marin, whom you recognize immediately. Um, and I think that made it difficult to for him to be successful as a as a uh, popular artist because his style and work kept kept changing throughout his throughout his career yes and it also is often except for maybe some of the still life paintings his work is rugged and yeah. just not as easy to you know enjoy in terms of a painting as one would enjoy looking day day after day at a Georgia O'Keeffe. So he, he, as Bill said, he is an experimental painter, and he was never satisfied with the pretty scene in front of him, if it were a landscape. He, he just really would struggle with the landscape and create something that was uh, not necessarily pretty. So... Um, <laughs> His work is challenging, and I've always loved that about it. I, and I think he's coming into greater recognition for exactly that um, unique approach uh, that defies the linear thread of a type of art uh, that, that kind of looks, looks like it's by the same person. He really just was constantly um, seeking. Hmm. He was a seeker. So, so part of what what made his work um, difficult for some to uh, enjoy during his lifetime uh, is exactly one of the reasons, at least, why his work is so interesting to us now, mm-hmm. because he was experimenting broadly, both with representational art, 
with abstraction, with spiritual work. Um, yeah, and I mean, you've been speaking to getting into kind of what his, his actual works look like. Is there a, a particularly favorite kind of work that uh, speaks to you or one that you uh, are sort of particularly connected with among his, his oeuvre? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, since this is an audio podcast, it's, it's <laughs> sort of d- difficult to... And I'm sort of tantalizing an, uh, people. Uh, yeah, over, an yeah. audience too. Um, I'm not sure anyone would, you know, recognize the name of a painting, but I guess I will say he is probably most uh, immediately known for what's known as the German officer paintings of uh, world, the World War One era, 1914-15. Um, so those are very powerful uh, abstractions. They're, they're not non, non-objective. They do have recognizable um, symbols and numbers and various uh, insignia, that kind of thing in them. But they are a signature group of paintings of his because no one was doing anything like that at the time. They were really um, uh, unique, and, and unfortunately, he was doing them during World War One. and when he got back to the United States, German art or anything related to Germany was not a popular subject. So <laughs> I wonder why. This yeah. very, <laughs> these very um, innovative paintings... Um, you know, kind of were not really appreciated until much later. For me, I would, uh, Hartley did a series of paintings earlier, several years earlier, um, when he was um, first exploring Western New England, um, the Western Maine and and New Hampshire, the mountains. Um, And there are several of those paintings, the, the, is it the Hall of the Mountain King? Mm -hmm. Um, And the like that are just exquisitely jewel-like paintings that that are both beautiful representations of the natural world but also symbolic of the things that he was reading at the time Walt Whitman and uh, things like that so and then I'd um, go to the end of his career for my all-time favorite Hartley's Hmm. a work just sold at auction and was purchased by the Vilcek collection called musical uh, C notes and it's Hmm. uh, three little shrimp and three little um, <laughs> um, horse, horse, seahorses seahorse. oh, yeah. against a black murky background, these pink and white little creatures. And it's just the most whimsical and um, exquisite painting that we will be so excited to have uh, in the Vilcek collection, which maybe that We'll explain more about that later, but they have a close relationship with the Bates Museum. So, right, yeah, I will. I will link any of these that we're referencing down in the in the comment section. So, if you want to look yeah. at these images, though, we won't be just purely talking about images without showing you. Yeah, so. that's great. <laughs> um, so, this question is sort of going to lead us to more of the more information about the Marston Hartley Legacy Project, but you know, how does the memorial collection exist in the museum? What is the role of it in the museum and, and really how did we begin to acquire these works? What was the process for that like? In his lifetime, uh, Hartley expressed an interest uh, in having works of his uh, in a collection uh, in his hometown. Uh, as a young man, he he felt that he had missed 
the opportunity to see uh, great artworks and really felt that Bates College was a place where that can happen. And even in, uh, in the late 1930s, he was talking to people at Bates about taking all of his main paintings. Um, unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, yeah, we wish. Yeah. But um, after he died, his niece, Norma Berger, who was uh, his closest confidant and, and uh, closest relative, made sure that a number of things from the estate came to, came to Bates. And that includes um, Hartley's personal library, archival material, keepsakes, ephemera. His palette with brushes yeah. and tools. Antiquities, ceramics. Again, the library, and then several years later, donated 99 drawings. So the museum, this is in the mid-50s, so the museum at the time and still has the largest, the largest collection of Hartley's drawings uh, anywhere in the world. And what's, what's, what we've come to learn mo in more and more as the collection has become an important resource for scholars around the world um, is that the, the combination of artwork and his personal effects really uh, give insight into the artist, not just as a personality or his psyche, but really his uh, as a broader person. Um, and that's it's been uh, wonderful to get to know the collection here at Bates. And it so it really was the initial collection for the museum and remains the core of the of the Museum of Arts collection here, collection. guiding acquisitions in works on paper, modernism, American. Uh, art and things like that. Yeah. And I would add that the his personal library, um, I, I guess I can't recall the actual count of, of books. I think it's books. 180 books. 180 books. Oh, wow. yeah. it's, it's an astounding collection that reveals so much about him. Um, he was, in addition to being a painter, he was a poet and an essay writer, an essayist. So the 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 books in that memorial, the Hartley Memorial Collection, uh, reveal so much about his interests and his interest in philosophy and in mysticism and in spirituality and in other artists. Uh, and it has been a resource for me all along when I, because I first published his, uh, a volume of his essays and a volume of his poetry. So to understand what he was reading and how it relates to the essays or poetry that he wrote um, has been a, an immense resource for me. So it's another uh, gem in the uh, Marston Hartley Memorial Collection at Bates. Right. I suppose that kind of, it also, you know, ties right into you guys have been doing research as part of the the, the legacy project for for Hartley. I wonder if you could speak to sort of what the the legacy project is, and uh, you've also already kind of started to speak to the kind of research that you can do with somebody who's this uh, you know itinerant artist right. who's traveling around quite a lot. You know, what's it like doing yeah. research on someone like that? Uh, it is interesting. I I've I was I first became acquainted with Hartley's work in a broader way, other than you know undergraduate survey courses, um, when I was beginning my career and saw one of his, the major exhibitions of his work way back. So on and off throughout my career, I've worked on Hartley. And there have been attempts, two attempts really, at what's known as a catalog raisonné or complete inventory of Hartley's work mm. over the years, uh, over the decades really. 
Um, and I just recognized how important it was to finish that project, to make that happen. And I had some initial funding and was working alone for a good number of years when it became clear that I really needed this, this project needed an institutional home. And with some negotiations with the Bates College Museum of Art, that happened, and Bates has now become the home of what will be an online inventory of Hartley's entire body of work, um, his visual work, his paintings and works on paper. And um, then so that, in, a, in addition to the Hartley Memorial Collection, will be one of the richest resources for understanding the work of Marston Hartley anywhere. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, so we're thrilled to be working on this project. Um, currently, it is a cloud-based inventory of his work um, with a provider called Panopticon. So Bill and I work in our separate offices. We have Another employee who in, who's based in New York, Charlie Parsons, who um, can work on the database from New York. So it's um, accessible to all of us. And then when the 650-plus works are all properly entered into that database, we will turn it over to a web designer who will design the website, which will then be uh, housed and sponsored by the Bates College Museum of Art and accessible publicly to anyone who is interested in exploring further the work of Hartley. Yeah, I'll just, just back up a, a bit to, to say that the, as, as the home of the Marston Hartley Memorial Collection, uh, over the years the museum has done numerous exhibitions, symposia, lectures, and projects with the Hartley Collection, as well as often with the help or participation of Gail. So we've we've had these these conversations for for some time, and um, we're really lucky that um, Bates agreed to do this. And we, it's, so it's a grant funded project. Right. Um, we're funded by the the Vilcek Foundation of New York, and. The Raymond J. Horowitz Foundation for the Arts um, uh, is is another major funder of, of the project, and so so yeah, it's been that's been a, a great thing to begin. It's we're now in our third year, at least actively. Gail's been working on this a lot longer, <laughs> and I would just add to what her description of the of the catalog raisonne. My role currently is in is is in image procurement. Our researcher is working on. Provenance. Provenance. Yeah. It's the um, ownership of all the works. Everything needs to be traced back to the artist. So all of those works need to have some connection, clear connection to the artist to be considered. Um, and then there's also all of the references. So all the exhibition histories, publications, uh, it's a huge undertaking. And Im important because Hartley is the, the one really remaining artist of his, of his stature to not have a catalog raisonne. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. many of the other um, modernists or American painters of significance have had uh, these these catalogs raisonne done before. So uh, we really feel that Hartley is, is overdue his this honor, and, and uh, it's an exciting project to be involved with. And, you know, I 
one of the exciting things about this um, research is discovering works that were either lost, whereabouts unknown at the mm. current time, present whereabouts unknown, or never had been recorded but are genuine works by Hartley. And we have a link on our current one-page description of the Legacy Project that's on the museum's website that anyone who thinks that they might have a Marston Hartley can submit an application to be, for it to be considered uh, by us. And through a couple of different avenues, including that submission process, we have discovered unknown works um, or works that were have been lost. And I, I can't tell you how excited it is yeah. to... Some, a, a lot of what is submitted is is not by Hartley, and it's, <laughs> and it's not what you know anyone would expect Hartley to be painting have been painting, but you know occasionally when a, an application has come in and I see the image, I I'm just flabbergasted because there there is something that I know, you know, off just without too much further. Um, research that it is by Hartley. And, you know, one of them was a, a very small uh, painting done early in his career. And there was a sort of a vague record of it from the past. But when this person submitted it, she gave the history of the ownership. And I, as soon as she mentioned the name of the family, um, Pollier, I think it was, I knew I knew immediately that that uh, because this family had owned quite a number of Hartleys, and then she told me the story of how they they befriended Hartley, and they they promised him early on that that they wanted to. Um, this is like nine, nineteen ten or oh, so. Okay. Yeah. yeah, way back. That they wanted to buy a painting of his. A year or a month—I forget the, you know, frequency of it—but they they were so thrilled with his work that they wanted to support him in that way, and I had never known that story. So, you know, when these things um, do emerge, uh, it's pretty thrilling. Yeah. So you said like a like a stockpile, like a family. Yeah. Sort of mini collection. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up. I was going to ask you about, um, I know that you, you encountered a work recently, right, by Marston Hartley called Friends Against the Wind? Yes. Yeah, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about what that process was like finding it and maybe what you did immediately after you found it. How did you go about researching the work? Did you already know about the work? Did you have to put this in the context of the rest of his work? How did you really approach it? Well, that one, I did, I did know about it. I only had a black and white image of it. It had never been reproduced in color. But it had, uh, it had been in an exhibition catalog uh, by, uh, of Hartley in Nova Scotia. And, I, and so I knew that the subject was, that was a memorial to the two sons of the people that Hartley stayed with in Nova Scotia in 1935-36. And I actually knew the name of the owner, 
Peter Sheldon, but I didn't know where he was, where he lived. Right. Uh, I didn't know anything about him. But somewhere uh, I came across the fact that he actually lived in Wyndham, Maine. And I, I, you know, I did just your Google search. I uh, found a number of listings for Sheldon's in Gorham. I, I called numbers that came up on, on the Google search, telephone numbers. I wrote a letter, and I never got any answer, so I was kind of, oh, well, uh, that one's got to go by the wayside. Maybe I'll <laughs> never find it. Anyway, I, at some point, I was contacted by an estate attorney in Portland, Maine, oh. um, who had this work by Hartley, and it was in a vault in a key bank in Portland, Maine. <laughs> <laughs> so I immediately made an appointment to go and see it. So I finally saw it in color. Anyway, it was that was another thrilling uh, discovery. Um, you know, the, we still do have a lot of whereabouts unknowns in our inventory. Uh, gradually, they they emerge. Another one emerged last week at oh, an nice. auction house in New York at Swan Gallery. It will go up for sale soon, and um, and I only had a black and white image of that as well. So. Gradually, they emerge out of the woodwork, and some of these have been owned by collectors for decades and never ex exhibited, kept very privately in their homes. So that's why they are, you know, kind of unknown uh, until the owner decides to do yeah. something with it. Yeah. Right. One of the one of the nice things about uh, one of the interesting things about the Legacy Project and getting the word out there um, is that then we hear from people who might be interested in having their work included. Um, and even in the process of going to museums and institutions seeking imagery for the works that we have, I mean, just last week, yeah. uh, a museum in Florida ended up having, in addition to the one painting that we knew of, they have two drawings that Gail had never seen before. So uh, there are things getting revealed all the time. So it's actually mm -hmm. really, really exciting. I had been to that the Norton Museum in 2016 to examine uh, the, the one Hartley painting that they had, these two drawings were, were accessioned, were accepted as a gift that same year, but our paths crossed. I, I wasn't there at the time. Uh, you know, right. I was there just prior to the accession, I guess. Uh, so I'm only finding out about them, and they, were, they are totally unknown to me. They are not in any other inventory, so I am... Um, eager to hear about the owner the ownership history on them I still don't know but they are pretty clearly genuine Hartley drawings beautiful drawings yeah so having having the the legacy project the website or the the yeah. resource completed um, will provide opportunities for scholars to continue research on Hartley but it also amplifies the the collection that we have here at Bates and raises its significance, or at least the attention, its contribution to understanding Hartley better. Yeah, and, mm. and I'll say that um, Hart Hartley be became interested in collecting these little antiquities. He didn't have a, a lot of money to spend, but so none of them is are 
none of them is terribly valuable, I don't think, but he would trade work of his for uh, some little object that he <laughs> saw in a in a antiquity store that he loved. And one such um, painting that I was just doing reviewing recently, um, he he exchanged for a Chinese statuette which is probably in the memorial collection, and I haven't had the opportunity to <laughs> yeah, figure out which, yeah. which uh, little object it was that he traded a painting for. Wow. Well, I think that brings us kind of into the, the sort of like final sort of takeaway here. You know, we've been talking a lot about Hartley and, and, and his legacy, and I'm sort of kind of wondering if you could to sort of tie a bow on things. Like, what do you think? Hartley's legacy means today, and kind of how can that connect with the the Lewiston community, local community, the Bates community, where we're housing these these objects, and kind of what your what your thoughts were on that? Sure. Well, just uh, and I guess following up on what I just said about about the combination of the legacy project and and the memorial collection here at Bates, you know, there are ongoing uh, opportunities for uh, exhibitions, um, research lectures and symposia here. Um, we just, as you may recall, did an amazing exhibition, um, Adventure in the Arts, with the Vilcek Collection. Right. And that that is um, scheduled to tour um, starting next year. So um, those kinds of opportunities for not just the Bates Museum, but for uh, people interested in Hartley and, and scholars interested in Hartley to, to learn more about him and to, again, raise the the awareness of of Hartley as a Lewis and native, and and Bates as a, a place where yeah. where he is home. And so if you if you go downtown, I don't know if you've been down on Lisbon Street recently to the Hartley Block, um, the new recently constructed apartments. Um, oh right, have yeah. two large mosaics on the street level that are um, after copied after Hartley. So. Um, the Lewis and Public Library has an amazing early Hartley painting. Uh, so there are there's growing awareness and and um, appreciation for Hartley here. Um, and I and I know that the museum does education outreach, and um, this is going to be a rich resource if the education curators or interns, yeah. um, <laughs> me, you know, <laughs> right, want to. Uh, work with teachers to develop mm-hmm. little study units, uh, say, for instance, on a particular period of Hartley's work and find some little object in the memorial collection, one of his ephemera pieces or, or a group of them that relate to paintings by Hartley that are either available physically because they're in the collection of the base museum or online in terms of the legacy project and its resource so that it, there will be lots of opportunities for um, that kind of educational opportunity for public school or school groups in the area as well as artistic classes at Bates itself or um, you know, special projects that students uh, might want to do. That's a really great thought. That's something I'll have to talk with Anthony about very soon. Yeah. We're getting that, getting that going. But. Well, thank you both. Thank you both for coming on. This was a great conversation. I also want to uh, thank 
Bill is going to be retiring soon yeah. as curator of the museum after, what did you say, 32 years? Peter, this is an inappropriate conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Bill. Yeah. I, I will say thank you. I, w I will say that I'm, because the Legacy Project is so important, uh, I'm going to be continuing doing working yes. for that, yes. even though I'm not uh, working for the museum. So Yes, I don't want to lose him. Right, oh. exactly. <laughs> Uh, and I also want to thank thank Lucy. A time of recording, she's about to graduate. She's put her head in her hands a little Don't bit. Don't make there. me cry, Peter. <laughs> but I want to I want to thank Lucy for for doing these first couple podcasts with me. It's been very helpful to be having somebody so so talented working with us. So uh, thank you both, and uh, thanks again for for yeah, recording. Well, th thank you, Peter, and thank you, Lucy, for giving us the opportunity. Yes, um, I think this is a, a important again to get the word out and let let people know about the legacy project yeah, so but congratulations to you both and thanks very right. much yeah, great this will be one one more way for us to reach out to the um send this broadcast exactly a, a link to the broadcast to our friends and legacy partners most definitely all right thank you so much thank you